Sleeper Nation, third time lucky on this intro here. Natter is not with me tonight. And I had to find some replacements. And thankfully, I only got as far as the A's in my little black book of fantasy contacts. So joining me to replace the great man this evening is Aaron Nyhart from Sleeperwire, one of our fantastic team of writers. How are you doing, man? Oh, I am great. I'm excited to be here. Well, post-Super Bowl podcasting, can't beat it. Absolutely. And with us tonight is the co-founder of Campus to Canton and the host of Why Wait Till Sunday is Alfred Fernandez. How are you doing, man? Hello, I am I'm great. I'm really excited to be here. This is my first uh, guest appearance of the off season, wasting no time, like uh, Aaron said, right after the Super Bowl. And there's always something to talk about in the Dynasty Debbie C2C space. So, I mean, the NFL cycle never really stops. Absolutely. I uh, have always loved Dynasty more than Redraft. So this is kind of like, this is my season. I know, Aaron, you're a big Dynasty guy as well. This is just the eyes light up. As soon as bowl season rolls around in college football, you know that scouting season is around the corner. Well, that's a bit of a tease of what we got coming up later. But what did you think of the big game, Alfred? You know, I saw some some dis- discontent on Twitter, uh, but I was surprised because I thought it was actually a great game. I thought it was a really nice balance between, uh, you know, offense and, and some explosive plays and some big plays and also some good defensive plays. Look. I love offense as much as the next guy, but a, a you know a big sack, an interception, things like that are also exciting. Um, and so I thought it had a little of everything. Had drama, four point game, most of the game. Like, I mean, it's it's kind of everything you could ask for. Late score, you know, to take the lead by the Rams. I thought it was a fantastic game. One of the you know better Super Bowls because sometimes they can actually not live up. Um, so I thought it was one of the better Super Bowls. I was happy to see Matt Stafford get a ring um, as well as the other Rams. I kind of fell in love with the Rams this year uh, just because I, I ended up having a lot of them on, on various fantasy teams. Unfortunately, I invested in Robert Woods, not Cooper Cup. <laughs> But otherwise, uh, I was pretty heavily invested in the Rams. I thought Stafford going there was going to really unlock some of the things McVay wanted to do, and it turned out to be the case. You've hit the nail on the head there in terms of it's a, uh, a really balanced game and a lot to like on both sides, I think. I mean, I'm, I'm a Patriots fan, so I'm used to it being us against the world at this time of the year. So it was kind of nice that I think everyone was basically happy for someone that they got a ring. What about you, Aaron? You saw the uh, your divisional rivals get to the Super Bowl? Does it sort of bring a smile to your face that they couldn't get some silverware? So the Super Bowl is very interesting for me. I'll admit and I'll explain after I admit. Um, As a Steelers fan, I am one of the few that have determined that it was okay to cheer for the Bengals once the Steelers (laughs) were eliminated. Now, to preface, I'm an Ohioan. Joe Burrow, Ohio guy. If you don't think that he's a fun guy to follow or a fun, entertaining guy to watch, I'm sorry, you're missing out. You can hate all you want. The dude's a gem. The Bengals were fun. They're young. They have a kicker that talks smack. They 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 sucked me in. I was I was hoping to see them win. Went to college up near Detroit, so the Matt Stafford saga was also a little bit fresh um, on the heart. And I'm not going to get into that. If you want to see my take on Matt Stafford, check out my Twitter at Aaron Nyhart. I have sparked quite the conversation on Bleacher Report. But I, I was I was rooting for the Bengals. Ultimately, I was rooting for a great game. And as Alfred said, I think it completely delivered. Um, it was a fitting end for the way that the playoffs were this year. 
absolutely incredible. Congrats to the Rams and I think that they gave us the best show that they could. It feels a little bit hollow, I suppose, and that's why um, we fill our lives with dynasty football at this time of year. I was thinking today, like, when you get into the dynasty and the the deeper the league is, this is now, in my opinion, actually, when the hard work kind of starts and you work, you do your trades, you do your drafts, you're you're creating your team. And then once kickoff happens in September, the die is cast. I mean, for the most part – Especially in these deeper leagues, like there's not a ton of waivers to pick up. You can trade, of course, in season, but like now is when you're building your team. And it, it, it's there's a lot to be done. But, you know, in season, it's fun to follow along because there's not always a ton you can actually do to change your roster. But yeah, you, this is like deep leagues, at least in the deep leagues. And that's one of the things I love about Dynasty Football is it's like playing franchise mode in a sporting yeah. game. Like you have your fun in the offseason, you, you take your time there and you kind of like week to week. Just waiting for this to come around again. So before we get into the show, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Sleepawire Show. Chuck's a few bucks on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash sleepawire. So you never miss any of the articles, podcasts, live shows of our awesome team. We have rookie profiles coming out at the moment. Aaron, I know you've got some coming out. Who's in your uh, chamber at the moment? Um, so the one that I have prepared that I'll be releasing soon Um You'll see a theme with my prospects. I'm kind of diving a bit into the deeper end uh, with the prospects. Um, maybe the most unique talent that I've ever seen, a guy named Devin Tompkins, a wide receiver from Utah State. Um, he's a whopping five foot six, and he caught 1,700 yards. And I think if the ball bounces the right way, he could be an interesting NFL draft prospect. So stay tuned for that. Um, I've got some other wide receivers on, on the way. That's right. I knew I'd read something about Devin Tompkins recently, and then I realized it was your article about it. I think we went back and forth over whether he was um, you know, a worse version of Tutu Atwell. Might be a better version. We mentioned off the top, Alfred, you're one of the co-founders of Campus to Canton. For the uninitiated, what the hell is that? Well, thanks for bringing that up. Great question. Um, so Campus to Canton is a, is a really deep format where you have um, – so, so you may be familiar with Devi, which is kind of that next level after Dynasty where you have a full Dynasty roster and then you have, you know, anywhere between – some leagues go three, some go 10 deep where you have college players rostered. They don't do anything for you until they hit the NFL, though. But they are your, you know, on your team. Camps Canton takes that an, another step further where you've got your dynasty NFL side, just like anybody else. But you have an entire full collegiate fantasy team that actually plays on Saturdays accrues points and you're playing against other members and their college fantasy teams during the season. So you're, you're managing two different full rosters. And the one thing actually I heard brought up just the other day was that someone who didn't love Debbie because you have these guys and they're not doing anything for you and you're just waiting for them to hit the NFL. Well, you can now get points from those collegiate stashes. They're not stashes anymore. You're actually getting points. And that's why I know who Devin Tompkins is already. He was literally <laughs> a college fantasy league winner last year. Like you mentioned, 1,600 plus yards. Uh, I think probably over 100 catches. I can't remember off the top of my head. That offense was incredible. And he was like maybe undrafted or maybe like last five rounds of the college side of the draft. And you're talking to a guy who finished like wide receiver top five wide receiver in all of college football. So he was truly a league winner last year, which is why I know a little bit more about him. Um, and which is also kind of a plug. So 
if you play Debbie, Dynasty, college fantasy sports can actually help you get familiar with these players before they hit the, the actual draft. And then you're kind of more prepared in your in your Debbie and Dynasty leagues as well. Nice. Aaron, I saw on Twitter that you recently did your first startup. What did what did you find different about that? Yes. So I actually just finished my first C2C draft yesterday. Love to see it. There, there are a multitude of takeaways. Um, first takeaway being, I, I pride myself on knowing a lot about college football and the NFL. Humbling experience. <laughs> After you get through about, uh, I don't know. Let's see. I think I know a lot. And our, our college draft was about 40, 40 rounds. And after about round 10, I was struggling. And we have 30 left to go. So <laughs> after that, it was it was full-on research mode, reading articles, finding lists, um, plugging into my boy Jared, who is a new member of the C2C family at CFF Jared, Chasing the Natty podcast. Go check it out. Um, Jared's content is incredible for college fantasy. Um, was super helpful in me trying to build a ragtag board of players um, while I was mid-draft. <laughs> Jared's incredible, but yeah, definitely didn't, didn't realize how much I didn't know for draft addicts such as myself. I think I might do a couple more CT, C2C this summer. Just go all out, baby. Just because a, I think it's going to be exciting, but B the drafts take like two months. You're not going to spend that money on the 10 startups if you're drafting for two months, because it's going to take up your whole summer just to finish a couple. So it was great. I'm very excited. I think it's going to be a blast. I hope my draft wasn't terrible. It's posted on my Twitter. I'll go, go take a look. I'll go take a look and I'll, I can weigh in on the DMs. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's a blast. I'm very excited to see how it goes. And if you, if you enjoy watching college football on Saturday and then watching your NFL football on Sunday, I think you at least need to check it out. So this is probably a, a dumb question, but you, you have to forgive me. This is, no, no, one, no, I don't no. watch a lot of college football um, during the college season. I'm over here in London and to get my free pass to watch the game Sunday night means that we aren't watching college football on a Saturday night. You're clearly drafting both leagues separately, if you like, the, mm-hmm. the college. Is it just Power 5? Is it the entire of Division One college? How deep are you going here? The the traditional setup is is all. You know, that's why it's like Devin Tompkins at Utah State was, was a great pickup. But I have certainly seen, you know, that's the other thing. These are very creative leagues and people kind of create whatever they would like to create. So you could certainly do power five, which I think would be maybe a way for the uninitiated to kind of dip their toes in. Um, then the, the rookie draft would then have all the, the premium G5 guys who were going, you know, because like that's the thing in C2C, a full C2C that, I mean, the rookie draft is like maybe like two or Last year, you know, Trey Lance was like because he was coming from FCS, not even Division One. Uh, but otherwise, there wasn't a lot of guys who weren't already rostered. You got to get the guys when they're freshmen, almost, you know, or, or second year players in college. That would make the rookie draft a little more interesting, you know, because you'd have all the G five guys. And I'm for anything that gets more people to kind of try it. I know there are some purists that are like that takes away from the, you know, the G five. You got to have the guys like Devin Tompkins, Bailey Zappi at Western Kentucky or whatever. You got to have those guys. And I'm like, look, if someone will play because it's Power Five. Let's start that. Let's get someone interested, get their toes in the water. And no doubt, 
they'll be playing full on within a year or two. Like, look at Aaron, just started. He's going to do three more drafts this summer. I mean, it's addicting when you get into it. I hope my girlfriend doesn't listen to this. She won't love it. But, hey, it's slow drafts. You can do it on your phone. Just go to the bathroom, make a pick, and come out. That's what I do. Not if you're doing uh, hours of research. You can't park yourself in the bathroom for that long. Believe me, I've tried. you got to have a list. I'm sure that uh, you can find this information out at C2C as well. To tag along with what Alfred was saying about the Power 5 potential just to kind of dip your feet into the water. There is uh, some steps to be taken once you once you kind of get lost within it. I remember going through, I'm, I'm from Mac country up here, Mac Chanel. Oh. After that, you're looking at Conference USA's um, all-conference teams, because I don't know who these guys are, and then you're looking to see who's young, so you can have them for a couple of years. And the amount of time to go into it and a lot, the amount of preparation, I'm probably still just scratching the surface, and it is... I enjoy that kind of thing, but I mean, it, it is quite a bit. It's it's a it's a ride. And I admire you, Aaron, for just jumping in. Like, that's my mentality. I mean, when I, I went from a couple of Debbie leagues to like just going all in on C2C, I mean, just on a whim. I just was like, I want to do this, you know, three years ago. And that's I just jump in and I'm like, I'll figure it out as I go. I know some people, the barrier for entry is like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't want to join a league and not know what I'm doing. But you kind of just got to dive in head first and figure it out. You'll swim eventually. That, I was going to say, that's the best way of uh, learning anything I've tried. Well, m- most things anyway. Um, yeah. When you are in a startup draft, or I guess running your campus to Canton team, is there a sweet spot where you want to be, I guess, getting players before they kind of break out? Like what's that? What's that window in general? I know we have freaks out there who sort of do it as as freshmen, but ideally you're targeting guys coming into their their um, junior season? No, I mean, in my opinion, no no player is going to come at the best cost uh, outside, I mean, freshmen or maybe the second year. If you wait till the third year, they're, they're maybe rostered, honestly. Um, in a startup, those guys are all going to go early. I mean, you're, let's see who's rising next year. J- Jackson Smith and Jigba for Ohio State. He's rising junior next year. He just had about 1,600 yards for Ohio State. He's going to be a top five pick. Like, if they've produced it all, people are going to know about him. So, um, in fact, Chris Moxley, uh, one of our founders uh, at Campus to Canton, just did a really great he does these small episodes uh, during the week every morning, about 20 minutes or so. But he was talking about where do you start taking either a proven college producer who may not do much in the NFL, a la maybe Devin Tompkins. I mean, I hope he does well, but like, let's say he's a long shot, but he was like crushing it in college, right? So where do you take a guy like that versus an incoming freshman, sight unseen, uh, who, who's at Alabama and may have first round NFL upside two or three years from now. And I was actually operating under the impression that take the Devin Tompkins of the world, get that ridiculous college production, try to win the college side. Most of these leagues do have a payout for the college side. So it's worth your while to win that one. But he actually, he actually showed that just the odds of like hitting in the NFL for even the freshmen, because there's certain profiles, you know, are probably going to hit. Like freshman at Alabama who was a five-star running back, like that's probably going to hit in three years. Uh, actually hits at a better rate than even trying to figure out who's going to be the next Devin Tompkins. He kind of changed my process where I'm actually still going for that future upside, even sight unseen freshman, because that's ultimately the most valuable asset. And that's going to hold value. So when you're thinking about trades and stuff, so they, they don't even do anything first year. They were a very highly rated guy and they're at Ohio State or Alabama. People will still be interested in that on the trade market. Whereas 
your Devin Tompkins of the world, once they're out of college, probably lose a lot of value. So, or even in college, like no one's going to, no one's going to think they've got the next Antonio Brown. They're just going to be like, no, he's from Utah state. I don't, I don't want to trade for him. So I think that makes a lot of sense. So I would say basically until you have a freshman or a first, second year player at a big school that you just, you have nobody that you like, then dive into the college guys. But otherwise I'd keep taking those dart throws at guys who have that really high upside on the NFL side. And I would like to take this moment to just plug our freshman guide we just put out. We, well, we just teased it. We just teased it on Twitter this today. Uh, but we will be coming out with a full-on freshman guide. It's like 182 freshman profiles that we look at from a NFL potential and fantasy potential. So you can get those names familiar, you know, so you know what you're doing in your drafts. And you're not just picking a random freshman, but hopefully you're picking the freshman that we like. We think we're doing a decent job ranking them. We don't want to be guilt-stricken sobbing with your head on the floor worried about <laughs> yeah. freshmen. Two questions before we move on to the next section. What's been your greatest from the moment that person has come into college football through to now kicking ass in the NFL? Have you got someone who's been your boy all the way through? Aaron, do you have anybody? Well, you just started playing C2C, I guess. Um, like I said, I think I started only about three years ago, so I haven't gotten anyone all the way through to the NFL yet, but it's looking like Sean Tucker for Syracuse was a really good pickup. He was actually like a either a very, very last round or maybe even a free agent pickup his freshman season. Um, and I and he was producing and I grabbed him. Turns out he looked really better as a freshman than I realized. But I was just getting in my feet wet when I was like, you know, now I think I would have probably identified him. But back then I just kind of took a long shot. And he has had like over 3,000 yards, I think, maybe in his, in his first two years. Probably going to go early next year to the NFL. I bet you he's going to be a day two pick. And to get a guy like that, 35th round or whatever on the college side as a freshman is probably a pretty big hit. feels a bit like some of those old school NFL drafts or even the baseball drafts where you got like in the, the 60th round, the yeah. whatever teams picked up a uh, no-name quarterback who played uh, baseball in college or something with Russell Wilson going the 29th round. Or with <laughs> yeah. Bra- Brady went in like the 48th round or something to the Montreal Expos. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, real life baseball. Albert Pujols was like a like a sixty something round pick and ended up being one of the better hitters of the you know the two thousands. So you can get guys. That's what I love about it too. I mean, I love those late rounds because you just mine you know you just mine depth charts and there are kind of ways to guess a mold of a player. Uh, like a like honestly, you can get to the point where you're like, I just want a running back who's over 200 pounds at a Power Five school and hope for the best. Like you're you're getting so deep that it's hard to you know you're getting guys with no production, but there are profiles that seem to hit, and so you can take your dart throws there. That's super exciting. High risk, high or low risk, high reward. I suppose. And you Love it. Feel That's like a baller best, when right? it comes off. And uh, Aaron, who are you hoping in your roster there is going to be that guy for you? Boy, um. Can come back to me in about two seconds. Let me look over this bad boy. He's got like he's got like forty five guys to look at real quick. <laughs> two. Well, while Aaron's thinking, I'll pose my other question to you, and that is uh, Jordan Addison. Uh, as I said, I don't watch a lot of college football. This is a guy who jumped off screen, and that's happened with two players um, to me in the past probably eighteen months. One of them was Drake London. Drake London jumped off when I was watching him on Ra St. Brown last year. <clears throat> and the other one was Jordan Addison would have been 
just a random pit game that I had on. I was like, who the hell is this guy? Might have been your freshman at the time because he was no, a sophomore. No, he just year. finished his sophomore year. So if it was last, it was 2020, he would have been true freshman. Where do you see him ending up? I think he's really, really good. Uh, he's a little undersized. I could see him kind of pigeonholed as, as a slot. But his metrics production profile is going to be like A+. I mean, he broke out as a true freshman. He basically doubled down as a sophomore. Obviously, Pitt had a great season. Uh, Kenny Pickett is on the QB lists now as a first-round potential guy. But his main target was was Jordan Addison all year. And, I mean, Addison's a guy who was catching 10 balls a game almost in his freshman season. Like, that's, that's Rondell Moore-level stuff. You know, that's what Rondell Moore was doing. And we all know how how much of an exciting dynasty guy he wound up being. I know it was a disappointing uh, rookie year, but I think he's he's bigger than that, though. And I think he's going to be a top. I'm trying to think the next year's receiver class off the top. Of my, I think he's probably going to wind up top top five to seven guy in next year's class should he come out, which he probably should because he's going to be a, a junior who's produced since the moment he stepped on campus. They've got the transfer QB carousel there too. So, Oh, yeah. Keaton Slovis is going to be interesting. Yeah. Ooh, I did not know that. That is uh, Who you a play that I'm a big scouting? fan of. Yeah. You were you watched him when you were scouting Amon Ra and Drake. I was very impressed with what I saw as a, with him as a friend. Uh, yeah, he would have been a freshman as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I was here. surprised. Well, he but did he bust his neck this year? Was that uh, London? I don't know what the injury was them. actually. Aaron, um, do you remember? I, I do not. Just to throw that in there, I mean, he, I didn't realize honestly how good his season was. One hundred receptions, fifteen ninety-three receiving yards, and seventeen touchdowns, and he returns punts. He's going to be pretty exciting. I'm a big fan yep. of punt returners. Uh, it gets you on the field early in your NFL career, and if you're on the field, that's how you make plays. That's how you earn more snaps. And so I really like guys who can return punts. So he's uh, he. I'm, I'm going to say ballpark top five receiver next year in the in the yeah. in the dynasty rookie drafts. I have him to, towards the top. I think he's going to be a first rounder um, if if he's not. Um, the the wide receiver one. I'm with you on punt returners. I think it's usually a really good indication of whether someone can separate, particularly within the first five yards of the line. We're going to get to this conversation very shortly, but yeah. you really like to see it. So I think I'm going to be watching a lot of pit football this year. I think I've been sort of backdoored into a pit fan through DJ Turner last year. And yeah, uh, yeah you got Slovis, Addison, and then um, Canal Mumfield. Uh, who was a breakout, really, really good freshman receiver for Akron, which Aaron may know a little about Akron being an Ohio guy. They, He was really, really good. I think he's like, I know he went to Akron, but I think he's like legitimately a good player. He's going to be on the other side of Addison next year at Pitt. So that's going to be an exciting offense. He was about the only, and I, I'm from Ohio, so I guess I can say this. He was about the only competent looking player when Akron came into the horseshoe last year. Yeah, the player that I remember walking away was saying, "Okay, you know, he that kid's got some skill." Kanata Mumfield, he he performed pretty well. Again, Ohio State doesn't have that great of a secondary, but when you're jumping off the off the screen playing for Akron, then I think there's some some smoke to that fire. Absolutely. And uh, do you finally have an answer to my question, whatever it was, uh, seemingly 15 minutes ago? Sure. Yeah. So um, this is going to be a very uneducated, but there's some rationale behind the answer to your question. Um, I like the value I got in the 24th round when I picked 
Eli Raridan, tight end from Notre Dame. I believe he was the number one or the number two tight end in the class. Tight ends that go to Notre Dame seem to make it to the NFL, have decent college production, decent to plus. So I'm going to hope that that pick pans out. I think it made a bunch of logical sense. I needed a young tight end. Hopefully he's a guy that I can count on for a couple of years and be the first real uh, stake to to the claim of cashing in on one of these freshmen, hopefully. Him and no, Kate- I like it. There's good, good, uh, good history at Notre Dame. I uh, hope they use him a bit more than they use Tommy Tremble. Um, who I think they wasted. Who got drafted, though, I think in the third round or something, right? So, I mean, at this point, like what Aaron's saying, if you can get a guy that late in one of these drafts who just gets drafted, like you're doing a great job. So Tommy Trimble, I know didn't have a great college production, but he got drafted and he's got an NFL future. That's a hit. For sure. Yeah, and I mean – For sure. To toot my own horn a little bit, because it's going to also parlay into our next segment, to go along with the idea, I think um, the best scouting hit that I've got, which is just personal bias that translated well, was I think at the time I was in 18 Dynasty Leagues, which is still too much. Um, I have 16 shares of Michael Thomas in 18 Dynasty Leagues. Um, So it hasn't been great as of late, but I think that, again, that scouting and figuring out how to watch tape and seeing what you see on field um, and how it translates to potential fantasy value is is crucial, which I think we're going to dive into here in a bit. Before we move into that, Aaron, I better give you a, uh, a moment here to talk about the Ohio State University. Who we, we know the big names in this class. Who's a little bit deeper from that roster that's coming in that people need to be watching in the back end of their dynasty drafts? Gosh, the problem is, is what I didn't expect in C2C is the entire Ohio State roster is drafted within the first five rounds, which is extremely frustrating because that was my <laughs> entire strategy going in, not knowing where they get drafted, is I was going to take as many as I, I know would become a <laughs> which you can't do. I think the one with the highest potential, even though he's got a high, pretty high ADP at this point, um, is Marvin Harrison Jr., the dude watching him on the field, even just if you watch the Rose Bowl, but being an Ohio State fan and I'm on the insider boards and hearing what the the experts have to say about him, the dude's got NFL star written all over him. He's got the pedigree. He's got the size. He's got the build. Caught three touchdowns in the Rose Bowl, even though he was completely outshined by maybe one of the best individual performances ever. Marvin Harrison is going to be that dude. Everything that I'm hearing sounds like he's – kind of like broken into that Michael Thomas mold of a possession receiver that runs great routes, catches the ball when it's thrown his way. Um, He's, I think, still kind of undervalued, even if he's got, what, like a seventh, sixth, seventh round ADP? Maybe even higher. It's that bowl game, man. I mean, the bowl game ruined his ADP because he caught, what, two or three touchdowns? I think it was three. I mean, you catch three touchdowns in a game as a true freshman, bowl game or not, that just crushed his ADP. So, yeah. But I agree with you. There's really no I one suppose, other than that, I guess. Everybody else is in like the first three rounds. So say, I suppose there'll be people out there hoping for a uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Arch Manning connection in a few years' time in the NFL. Get the uh, the band back together, if you like. Oh, that is true. Yeah, sons of sons of both. Yeah, that would. I didn't even put that together. That would be really interesting. Where, where do you uh, Where do you think Arch Manning goes, Alfred? Oh uh, well, so I'm I'm a Gator. I uh, went to school at Florida. And uh, there's some rumors that Napier, our new coach, is actually he's from Louisiana and and um, 
you know, is making some inroads there. I think that's a total pipe dream. Uh, I really do think Arch probably ends up at um, maybe Ole Miss if Kiffin can do it because, you know, his dad went there or no, his grandfather, Archie, and then Eli. Um, Payton went to Tennessee uh, or, you know, always Bama's in play. It's going to be a absolute blue blood like Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, or like Ole Miss. I think that's probably the realistic choices there because he's going to have to go somewhere to get like the premium NIL package, sponsorships, yada, yada, yada. I mean, he's it's the biggest name. Honestly, it's like probably one of the biggest marketable names. It's going to be crazy. His recruitment is actually going to be really interesting from a not even a player talent perspective, but just like a what is the market like for a guy like that in the NIL era where, where, you know, money is on the table now, it's not bag men under the table. So it's just going to be really interesting. Yeah. I, I remember the other day they announced he was, I, I got super excited. Well, pretty excited. They're like, Oh yeah. Arch Manning set to visit Ohio state over the summer. And you open the article and it's like, Oh yeah. He's going to visit Ohio state and like 14 other schools. Yeah. 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 Well, he's everywhere. <laughs> I would imagine Ohio State's going to be. I mean, they should be thought of as a as a full on blue blood, though. I mean, they should be in the running. Although I really like Devin Brown, that new freshman mm-hmm. Scott. He was one of my top quarterbacks this year. So, yeah, I'm hoping they decide to push him towards the school with the best quarterback coaches, the best quarterback developers, and I think Ryan Day gives us a shot. But being from the South, I, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, that's a tough one. The South, I, I just think it's going to be a lot of like family type connections. I think, I mean, obviously the Mannings know everybody. It, it's really going to be pretty interesting. Yeah. I'm sure Papa John will find him a place somewhere. <laughs> right. Well, we've been teasing this conversation. I feel like for the past 20 minutes, this is kind of the thesis of the episode and that's what to watch when you're watching tape. It feels intimidating. If you're like, I'm going to sit down and watch it. It's like reading a book. If you don't really read, you go, I'm going to read. I think, George Costanza tries to do that. He's sitting there and he's getting bored a sentence in. Let's start with the real basics of without the massive packages and uh, not us, the uh, subscription packages, where are you finding tape if you're just a man in the street? There's really no cutthroat, easy answer to this, unfortunately. Um, Obviously, your basic, if you're just looking to get a base idea on a player, you can go to YouTube, find highlights. Obviously, highlights are the peak performance of their game um what i found is that honestly your best format is usually going to google um and if you search for a team's highlights you're going to get more tape on you know the plays where they're not getting the ball you're going to see more of that route running do they block things like that um there's not really a great site that i've found that i use sometimes they post it to huddle sometimes there's links to different i've i've been on vimeo watching film before you um, find yourself in some interesting places <laughs> yeah google's your friend um i don't have a cutthroat answer to that highlights i think can teach you quite a bit um, because you're seeing that player at their best and there's things that you can break down from those highlights, which we'll get into in a bit. But I don't have a great answer, but but Google's a, a safe one. There's two ways to break this down. Um, we'll start with the college stuff. So, you know, there's certainly some some paid subscription services that can get you like some all 22s. And but but there's actually a, that's if you want like all 22. But honestly, there's a pretty good uh, amount of, of actual full games you can find on YouTube. Like Aaron said, you want to be searching for the whole team. Like you want to search for like Ohio State full game. 
don't search for a player. That's just going to give you highlights because of the way the search terms are. So you just want to search for the team and like full game. You can usually find them condensed to like an hour and then you can fast forward and, and catch the plays you want to look at. Accounts I've stumbled upon searching and searching and searching on YouTube. Uh, Brad Kelly, that's last name is K-E-L-L-Y. Uh, he does some cutups. He's actually pretty good if you want to follow that account. And then three other ones that just came out of nowhere, but they put full games, especially some G5 schools, which is really helpful. Uh, Keel Pro 88, that's K-I-E-L-P-R-O 88, just puts full. I mean, I don't know. These people are just putting full games of G5 teams. I'm, I'm happy about it. Matthew Loves Ball spelled exactly how it sounds and then wally the bronco two that's t-o-o i wrote these down today because i knew you were going to ask but like there's no other really great way like wally the bronco two i mean he'll have like san diego state versus san jose state you know which is like a midnight kickoff on the east coast as a full game condensed down and it really is helpful if you want to you know watch a prospect from one of those teams and there's all sorts of he has all the G5 teams. It's really helpful for our purposes. And it's just on YouTube. I would say YouTube's been my friend in the past. Um, uh, FF Astronauts do a really good job of cut-ups of certain players. Basically, any big-name player, they will have cut-ups of their at least their most recent season. Some players, they'll go back a season or so. Um, so if you know what game you're looking for, you just that player versus, and you'll get a bunch of bunch of options. Sometimes you are sorting through highlight videos. Um, I know last year for Mike uh, Mike Strawn, um, the D two guy who ended up at the uh, the Colts, it's watching like mobile phone footage of this guy or like lo- locked off camera from his like D two at Charleston. And, and at that point, you are having to scout highlights because that's all there is. There are these um, these cut ups, which I think is. A nice dovetail into where I think most people therefore ain't scouting. Oh, I scouted a guy. You know, like, did you, did you watch like two six That's minute bomb. highlight Just videos bomb. with some real shit like homespun hip hop over the top? Yeah. Well, and you know, going into the high school level, oftentimes you mentioned huddle, Aaron. Like, that's kind of all you have is full games, all the or is highlights. Although I have found full games of high school. Uh, that exists, um, especially if it's a high school in Texas or often Florida, these bigger states where high school football is like really big. There's actually some really nice production value even. So especially the high school teams. So you can find high school full games. They're never condensed. I mean, it's like a full five hour, like because they start the video before any fans are even there. It's like all the pregame. So you definitely have to do a lot of fast forwarding. I would say that for me, quarterback is the one where you really want to watch every play because you want to see how they manage a game. You want to see how they, when they're making their bad plays, like how are they making bad plays in what way? Cause it's, it's so hard to watch a highlight and not think every guy is awesome, especially a quarterback. Cause you can watch a guy and be like, man, he never misses a throw. Like, even if you tell yourself, I know this is highlights, like you still watch it and you're just like, I've never seen him make a bad throw. So it's really helpful for quarterbacks. And that's the easiest one. Cause like, as long as they have the ball, he's going to be involved. Whereas receiver, it's like, it is really hard to watch a full game trying to scout a receiver. Cause like they may only get six opportunities. Yeah. I think receivers, this is going to sound bad, but we'll break it down again. Um, I think with receivers, highlight tapes can tell you what receivers you are not wanting to look at. 
I don't think a highlight tape can tell the whole story, but if you're watching their best of the best and you're not seeing some key things that we'll break down here in a minute, I think that you can use a highlight tape to tell you which receivers you're not necessarily looking for. Uh, And I think that that boils down to, and you sort of touched on this with the quarterbacks, Alfred, is my key takeaway if you're watching the, the highlight videos, and this kind of translates to the best practices, do's and don'ts conversation we'll come into, is you've got to ask yourself why. Why did that player make that play? And then the next question beyond that is, are they going to be able to do that at the next level? Is a player mossing another player? Because they're just bigger. Like you've got a an excellent college athlete up against some like guy who's going to stay in college, get his degree playing cornerback. That's how you end up, even at NFL level, with like a Nikhil Harry or a JJ Arthega-Whiteside, someone like that. And you look at that and go, what did, what did we get wrong? Well, you've got to ask yourself why. Why, yes, this player is a contested beast, but why are they always in contested situations? Seth Williams was one last year for me. Yeah, going, He's going to catch everything, but he can't get open. And if you can't get open in college, you're certainly not going to get open in, in the NFL. And I think that's that's the beauty of, as you say, Aaron, the, the highlight tapes telling you who not to draft. That's a perfect example. I mean, contested catches, people not getting open. If you're not seeing any run after catch in any of the highlights, if they're going down immediately... I mean, it's not a terrible sign, but that is not what you're looking for. Hands catchers, non-hands catchers, if everything's coming into their chest, not a good sign. Things like that, you can see that on a highlight tape. I would say that I'm good, or at least I, I am better at scouting receivers than I am at anything else to the point where I just basically don't watch anything else, any any other type of player, because like I don't know what I'm looking for in a running back, which is part of why I've put this conversation in because I want to get better. Um, quarterbacks, you kind of see as you're watching receivers anyway, guys, this you're looking at who's throwing a catchable ball um, and, and tight end is kind of basically a wide receiver. Tight end is probably the one you need to watch least because you just want big, fast, athletic guys and hope they fall into some targets. No, just say tight ends, I think fit meets fantasy production the most. Yeah. Um, if you got a tight end that goes to a team that's, well, I'm not going to say the Bengals. They're the first team that comes to mind. They don't have a great tight end. Uzama, obviously, is a leader on that team. But if you've got a tight end that goes in the third to the Bengals, the opportunity is going to meet some fit for fantasy potential. For me, tight end's all about intention. You want to see attitude from them. You want to see a willingness to block because they're at that position. They're going to be bigger and stronger than the guys they're matched up on 90% of the time. And this was one of my issues with Pitts last year. Not that I was really fading him, but... Are they just used to being bigger, stronger, faster than everyone else? Do they actually have to work for their for their production? And I think we see that sometimes with these almost big wide receivers playing the position. You want to see because they're not going to get in the field if they can't block. You have to be the elite of the elite. Travis Kelsey gets away with it, and that's basically the only one I can think of who doesn't pull his weight in the blocking game and is still an elite tight end. Eric Ebron did it for a couple of years. He just had what he had that one season where he caught like thirteen touchdowns or something. Yeah, could get open in the end zone like no one else and then um, drop the ball once he was open. <laughs> Let's start with wide receiver because I actually have something to contribute to this conversation. What are you What are you watching for when you sit down and watch wide receiver tape? I think Aaron touched on it. Um, I actually have written down here, I want to see uncontested catches. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to see contested catches, especially on your highlight tape. Like if that's the best thing about your game, I'm pretty much not going to be very interested in this player. Um, it is something that is nice to have the ability to box out, use your body in the event you need to. Cooper Cup just won the Super Bowl on a nice, I would say, contested catch who contorted around and caught that pass. 
but like that can't be the best part of your game. Like that's yeah. that's the recipe for disaster. So uh, on your highlight tape, at least, I want to see uncontested catches. And a big thing for me, especially at the high school level, which is where I've really learned to to watch tape, whereas I use a lot more analytics at the college level, but uh, I have developed a little more of, of an eye for film. But it, in high school, that's all you've got. I, what I'm really looking for, one of the biggest things I actually give bonus points when I'm grading guys is if I see route diversity. I want to yeah. see something other than a go, something other than a bubble screen, because that's like 90% of what, because they're so athletic. So it's like, hey, you're six foot three and can run a four or five. Just go or we'll bubble screen you. So, you know, curls, ins and outs, 10 yards outs with a sharp turn, you know, to the sideline, toe touch grabs, things like that. That tells me you can be a high volume receiver at the next level. You're going to get 10 targets if you can do all those different things. If all you're doing is running a go, you might get three targets. Like that's not fantasy relevant. I'm always trying to look through a fantasy lens. And at the college level, the same thing applies, although I think they're more complete players you know in college but you want to see route diversity that's what i call it i don't call it route running as much i just want to see you're doing different things on the field you're winning short intermediate and long i call them the uh the three s's that you don't want to see or too much of screens streaks and slants yeah. and if every play is that then you have to be exceptional at it. I mean, DK Metcalf gets away with it because he is a freak there was a lot of that in elijah moore tape last year and I was pleased when the later in the season he was doing more than that, mm-hmm. so to speak. But early on, my early notes to him is I want to see more from this guy, and thankfully he did. It is they're the easiest ones to do, and as you say, they're the ones who win on athleticism. In terms of route running, I want to see someone who understands the nuance, even if they don't, even if they can't execute it. Um, that goes to route running. I think body control as well. Terrace Marshall, I felt really lacked in that body control. Is he knew what he wanted to do but couldn't do it? You want that control over your body. I always think of the gold standard being Julio Jones in Super Bowl 51, his catch on the sideline of being able to contort yourself, keep your feet down and control your body like a diver. Marshall really struggled with that. And that was a a big question mark for me. So you, you want to be able to see them at least be able to do what their mind wants them to be able to do. And you, you want a guy who's at least understands how to make a cut. I think with those those comebacks, those curls, the the crossing routes, that was one of my issues with um, Jareth Stern so far. Aaron is that he kind of drifts in his cuts a little bit. He's a bit, he's like a ballroom dancer at the top of his route in that he kind of carousels around rather than planting his foot and cutting down. He clearly understands where zone coverage is. He knows how he's what his bread and butter is going to be sitting between those zones. You're just going to get lit up in the NFL if you're not if you're not crisp. Yeah, that that that's that's fair. He knows I like um, I'm big on oh, Jerry. Oh, yeah. Boy, you're <laughs> digging deep on some of these receivers, man. Stearns uh, and Tompkins, those are like way down the line. But, I mean, they were so good last year. I am uh, I was a big Western Kentucky fan this year, seeing what they did, bringing those guys in and uh, had a great season. I agree with you. Um, and then the other thing, like we mentioned before, and this isn't as much of a tape thing. I guess it, it is more of maybe you just want to see it in the box score, but it doesn't hurt if you happen to be watching highlight tapes, punt returns. I mean, for a receiver, yeah. I want to see that on your film. And it doesn't have, you don't have to break it. You don't have to break it big. I just want to see that the coach that the the team says you are a most dynamic player. You put the most dynamic player in the punt return spot. And it's more of just a, a box to check. I don't care if you're necessarily good at punt returns, a big average or anything like that. But if you don't 
especially some of these big X receivers, like six foot three, 220 pounds with no punt returns. Unless you're a really high draft pick, like first round, those guys don't always, I mean, I know DK Metcalf's a bit of an exception, but like you just, I, I've seen them bust more often than not, you know, cause you're just big. You're not super dynamic, not great with the ball in your hands, which is why I was so excited about as someone who we all know about now, one of my claims to fame is uh, actually to answer a question earlier, Traylon Burks. I was all in on Traylon Burks as a true freshman because I'm like, this dude is 6'3", 225, returning punts in the SEC as a true freshman. Like, I did not really need to know anything else. So I do think it, sell, it tells you a lot. It tells you a lot what the coaching staff thinks of these guys. It tells you a lot what the, um, you know, that they trust him to be back there fielding the ball, making plays. So I think that's a big deal. One more thing that I, I really want in a receiver before we move on to some of the other positions. I want to see hand technique. Head to head with a cornerback, you want to see them trying to fight to get open, making sure they can high point the ball. They're catching it at its highest point. They've got soft hands. They're not. They're not clutching it into their bread basket. Their hands are out in front. Again, you know, in the NFL, those corners are quicker. You don't have those margins, and you see drops based on technique. You're going to see slot guys drop the ball because they're looking to make that first guy miss. We saw it with Tyler Boyd in the Super Bowl. Julian Edelman was horrible for it. Wes Welk was horrible for it. Is They're thinking about that next guy not securing the ball. But let's talk about the Patriots again. You watch uh, Jacoby Myers, as good as he was this year, Gunnar Olszewski, they're trying to turn him into wide receiver. They both catch like they're not natural receivers. You see it in their hand position mm. when they're under pressure. Myers gets away with it. Olszewski, not really. I don't really rate him. But you want to see a guy's hands extend up, out, towards the ball, not waiting for the ball to come to them because they're just not going to get that opportunity. So for me, it is that why on the highlight video, why is that a big play? How did they make it happen? Will they be able to do it at the next level? The one guy I think I've kind of missed on that I thought this is going to be able to translate, that's Brandon Ayuk. I thought a lot of his plays were from broken down coverage or or bad tackling, but I think he's shown that he at least has some of those translatable skills. When you're looking at running backs – what is it that you want to see from them? I guess the most important ones are vision. Um, to me, running back scouting is a little bit monotonous because for vision for me, I feel like I end up watching plays about three times over. Because I think with running backs, the way to, to truly be able to judge their eyes and their vision is you got to pause, you got to restart, you got to pause, you got to restart. Watch how the play develops and see if they're picking the right gap. Um, obviously plays are called a certain direction, but if a hole opens up somewhere else, are they able to see that? Are they watching the defense and seeing where everybody's positioned? Vision is huge and it's op- it's something that's fairly easy to see on film. Um, I look at cuts. Um, I think something super crucial for running backs, especially with the running backs we have in the NFL today, is when these guys are cutting, they're maintaining their speed. Um, you see some guys that they go to cut, they have to shuffle their feet, they slow down, they got to start back up. Other people like Alvin Kamara, it's like they don't lose any kind of speed. They can do whatever route they want. They can cut, they can shift, they can juke, and they're still going 20 miles an hour. Other than that, I look at tackle breaking. Um, how slippery are these guys when they make contact? Are they going down immediately? Are they taking two defenders with them every rush? That's going to be a huge translatable skill. Obviously, the, the defenders are going to be at a much higher level in the NFL, but if they're breaking three tackles at a college level, their odds of breaking one tackle in the NFL are probably going to be um, a little better than someone who's not. And the other thing, which isn't film really at all, 
always do an injury history with running backs. Running backs are probably one of the positions of people who get injured the most. If somebody has an injury history that's five pages long in college, not saying that it will continue in the NFL, but it's probably a bit of a red flag. And then size in general, Alfred mentioned um, it as a C2C strategy, but looking at a running back who's six foot, 178 pounds versus somebody who is is over that 200 pound marker um it's a tale that's not always true but really looking at that size profile you're going to get a better idea of is this person going to be able to to withstand the longevity of getting the running back touches in the nfl when it's a lot more physical yeah i think those are all really good points you know and and with the size thing it's i don't think it's that guys can't get the workload you just it takes a special coach to be willing to get i mean the the end up you sometimes i think as a fantasy player you really have to like just bend the knee to the nfl norm coaches just aren't going to give 195 pound back the 20 touches you need for fantasy could he maybe what uh, there's not a lot of nfl coaches that are going to just do it you got to just accept the fact like if they're drafting this guy at 195 pounds, he's going to be viewed as a third down back, I mean, except for the rare cases of like Eckler. Christian McCaffrey is not much over 200, uh, but those are the rare exceptions. So that's why that's important to me. Not I don't. It's not like I don't think a guy can do it. I just know the NFL is not going to think a guy can do it. But then, you know, for running backs, I think power in general is like overrated. I actually don't even really give a power grade when I'm grading running backs because I don't want to see power. It's like a contested catch. I don't want to see you have to plow through guys in college because you're not going to plow through, uh, you know, Micah Parsons in the NFL. Uh, I want to see as much missed like I want to see as much like untouched runs as possible to be honest with you because as those margins gets even smaller yeah you might have to break a tackle now and then but I don't want to have to see you break full-on body tackles and be like oh my gosh he's so powerful in the NFL I don't think I care I mean Jerome Bettis is that's another era that does not matter anymore jukes and and kind of angle changing when I'm grading a guy I I throw all that into change of direction and you can do that in different ways you can juke you can be really shifty feet or you can actually some guys just like change an angle like you just can't get a square shot on them it's not necessarily a fancy juke but you can watch them on tape like they're shift their body a little bit they're angling I call that change of direction so I kind of lump all that in and that's a grade for me so keep an eye out for that. It doesn't have to be the fancy footwork. It just has to be a good ability to, to glance your blow, you know, glance your hits so you're not taking square shots. And then look for multiple tools. So in the NFL right now, especially for fantasy, we want guys who can do kind of everything, the full skill set. Not only do you need to be the, the runner between the tackles, the receiver, the pass blocker, that's the really premium prospect um so just look for all those little things as well um and then chaining together multiple moves as well is also going to get a bonus you know if he if your guy has one move the nfl is going to figure it out if you see a guy who like you know plants jukes shifts changes direction spin move all in one play you're like okay he knows how to like as a puzzle he then put those pieces together to gain yardage, you know, whereas you can be successful as you're just a one cut runner and go, but you need the perfect offense. You need great blocking. You're not creating on your own as much. It can happen, but you need a perfect storm 
for those guys to be really good. Those are the things. And then finally, just receiving huge deal for me. We know for fantasy, it's a huge deal. Don't be too impressed with like screens. Uh, If you're watching a guy and, you know, he had 30 receptions, but they're all screens behind the line of scrimmage. I don't know if he's going to do that in the pros. You want guys who are lining up as slot receivers, lining up on the outside, beating one-on-one coverage. If they can do that in college, they maybe be trusted to do that in the NFL. That's really where you hit the jackpot on the receiving guys. Yeah, really like that. And you hit on something that I started looking for last year, uh, and that is micro-movement when you're talking about change of direction. Like I think of it like a medieval suit of armor in that it's not designed to block a sword necessarily. It's designed for that weapon to bounce off it. And that's why you have maces and wall hammers and things like that that is designed with a bigger point of impact to really nail someone. I'm going to sound like I'm um, Mr. Medieval here. I'm really not. I watched one video once. Um, But if you look at a medieval suit of armor, it's all angled to get rid of that clean shot. And I think that's what you want to see in a running back, someone who is hard to tackle because they work the angles rather than someone who can teleport you to the um, to the left or to the right because there's so few opportunities in the NFL to do that. And two examples out of last year's class. On one hand, you have Javian Hawkins who looked a million bucks on his highlight tape. And again, when I was watching, I think he was at Louisville, he he jumped off the screen and go, who the, who the hell is this guy? And I thought he's he's gone to the Falcons. That is a prime position. He, the only issue is I thought, well, he's not going to return kicks because Cotarrell Patterson's there, and that's the only thing he's good at. So mm-hmm. I couldn't have been more wrong about that entire situation. We all thought that. We all thought that. <laughs> I think Hawkins uh, ended up with a Super Bowl ring on the Rams. So good for him. Maybe I was right all along. But he had this innate ability to see the field and then Duke, and then take off in the other direction, like a, a, a cut price Barry Sanders. Ramondre Stevenson, on the other hand, breaks tackles like it's going out of fashion, doesn't do anything particular, but he's hard to bring down because he's so good at that kind of micro movement. You can't get a square shot on him. It helps that he's massive, but we see production from one and not from the other. And yeah, it could be a, uh, a function of that offense. It could be a function of a bit more draft capital. But to me, that is what you're looking for in the the NFL because you don't have the opportunity to break that massive play. Uh, One more thing, and I think it translates to wide receivers as well, is you want to see attitude with blocking. It's a bit like the tight ends. Is These guys are used to being the Rolls-Royce in their team's offense. There has to be a willingness to do the dirty work as far as I'm concerned. They don't have to make the block, but they have to at least try. That's what the NFL coaches are going to want to see. You want to see someone who's coachable, and for me, coachable is someone who's having a go at blocking, someone who's happy to to put in the work when it's not about them. And I had that as a real... um, Mark against uh, Elijah Moore last year, who I, I graded very highly. But I was like, this guy doesn't give a doesn't give a damn if he's not the focal point of that play. Dude, I don't give a rat's ass. So you you, you really want to see that because, as I say, that kind of you can't scout coachability. But I think that's one of the things you can see is is attitude. Is there anything else that we need to be aware of as novice scouts here? Um, any any last minute tips before we move into the end of the show here? I would say actually this this came up just thinking through when you were kind of reviewing some stuff for wide receiver. Like I said, power is is a little overrated. I think for running backs, I think straight line speed is overrated for receivers. Uh, you know, we know forty times are kind of like not even really correlated with fantasy success almost at all. I mean, just be less than four six five or something uh, is good enough. But like, do not get fooled on a highlight tape when you're just looking at a guy who's 
catching bombs and and beating everybody uh even at the high school level if that's all i see like i'm not that interested that is not something that translates straight line speed there's so many things the defense can do to not allow you to run in a straight line and if that's the best thing you do that doesn't mean you're a good wide receiver so keep that in mind you want to you want to say fast play speed a guy processing the game quickly and they they've got to look quick when people are playing it's one thing to be to be quick in that that straight line, as you say. And that probably translates to the running backs as well. You want to see guys pull away from linebackers. You want to see that long speed. It's that is something you can you can see on tape, I found, or I can see, so it must be pretty obvious, is a guy who is going to translate to being a big play threat at the next level is someone who can pull away. So not somebody who's getting mowed down with five, ten yards to go. No, I was gonna say I think a great example of what Alfred was saying too. I, I think that he hit the nail on the head there, unless you're in the top half percentile of deep route runners. I mean, you get guys like Henry Ruggs, who first round capital, um, regardless of off the field, he he wasn't producing because he wasn't finding that same success. And I think that the people that do find that success are a dime. I'm not going to say a dime a dozen, but the odds are not. They don't meet the glitz and glamour. Um, and I think that something we found kind of alluded to several different ways that I'm going to put out there for wide receivers and running backs is just general explosiveness um, is something that I look for. And by explosiveness, that can take on a bunch of different things. Um, wide receivers, how do, how do you, how well do you separate being a Buckeye? Um, great example. Chris Olave dude is a route running maestro. And when he hits a break that the cornerback isn't seeing coming, he separates instantly. Might not run the fastest 40, but he's very explosive in and out of his cuts. Running backs, when they're going through the hole, how fast are they making that decision and then getting through there? Um, explosiveness is is different than speed. You see it with guys like Cooper Cup, great example. Maybe not the fastest individual who's going to run, yeah, out of, what do you run, like a 4.640, something like yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, he ran probably the upper limit of of me caring. It was like 4.65. Like, I just mm-hmm. want to see below that. And to me, 4.53 and 4.38 don't really mean any different to me. Yeah, because that explosiveness is going to be – you can have a very explosive 4.6 wide receiver and a very not explosive 4.3 wide receiver if they're not able to get in, get in and out of those breaks. And it, it rings true for running backs too. I'll be that guy because I'm a Steelers fan. I think Najee Harris is a great example of while the hype train is still very, very strong for him, I was not that impressed as a Steeler fan. I think a lot of what people looked at as positives in his college game did not translate well. Um, which it could just be the Steelers' offensive line. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit pessimistic with the Steelers right now. It's been a rough couple of years compared to our team. But with Najee Harris, I, I don't see that explosion that gets me excited when he catches a screen pass. I, I don't see him catching, getting upfield, getting four or five yards every time he touches the ball. If he's got a guy bearing down on him, he's not, he's not getting – He's not moving forward. Um, so I think that explosion in both of those categories is, is huge. I agree with you on Najee. I, I was, I, he just seems like he, he kind of just lumbers, man. I mean, it's just short area quickness. That's how I call it. You call it explosion. I call it short area quickness. I want to see you separate from someone. I want to see you gain a half a yard within a yard, if you know what I mean. Not gain a yard when you're running straight down the field on a guy, but I want to see you gain those, like you said, micro movements. I want to see you gain micro 
increments because the NFL is played in like a three by three box almost, you know, everything is these little phone booths where you have to like beat this challenge, beat this challenge. And then, yeah, if you beat three challenges, maybe you get a free break, you know, for your, to use your long speed. Explosiveness, short area quickness. It's all the same. I want to see efficiency. You don't want a guy who is like Wiley Cody when he runs off a cliff. The feet are moving, but he's not going anywhere. You want to see one, two, plant, go. The NFL is an explosive game. Um, It's a taxing game. You don't want to see wasted energy as far as I'm concerned. Well, moving into the last little bit of the show, I've got one question for each of you. First up is a question we're asking all of our guests this offseason, Alfred, and that is what one piece of advice do you have to make our listeners better fantasy football players? I I saw this on the show sheet, um, and I think what I'm going to say is what I've just learned from myself and that's really best way I can say it. Be agnostic about what you think you know. When you walk into evaluating a player, try to start from scratch. Don't, I mean, I do this too, and it's a struggle. Like, I think this guy's really good and really fast. I'm going to try to, like, watch it and find the good things. Find the bad things. Like, play devil's advocate with yourself. And just realize, like, The bust rate on all these guys, whether it's a high school player or an NFL draft pick, is very, very high. The NFL teams can't do it that well. We probably can't do it that well. If you you should be able to find reasons why you like you don't like your favorite player, basically. So be a little agnostic, question yourself um, and don't think you have it all figured out because you probably don't. And I think when you do that, you can be open for other viewpoints. You can be open to, you know, change your, you know, change your stance. I think that's okay too. I know Twitter just jumps on people all the time. And, oh, you're, you're flip-flopping, whatever. But like, I don't know, man, I'm doing the best I can and I may not get it right every time. And that's okay. But we're, I'm just, I'll give you everything I think of in the moment that you ask me the question, but you got to be able to be like, what is it? Uh, Bruce Lee says, be water. Yep, that's um, that's great advice. And I think you sort of hit on this point earlier when you were talking about running backs. The NFL is still run by dinosaurs. As much as we've seen the Sean McVay's of the world come in and revolutionize it is you can't just take the narrative of what you want to happen. I'm not going not gonna to name names here, but we have some guys at Sleeperwire who have their favorites and wanted to ram that down your throat all season. It's like, I get that you like Justin Fields. This is not you, Aaron. I get that <laughs> you like Justin Fields. I get that you like Gabe Davis, but until you're seeing it, you can't keep going, this guy's a superstar, this guy's a superstar, this guy's a superstar. Now, Davis came good at the end of the year. The NFL is going to run with or without your opinions, and you <laughs> need to fix what you're doing with what the NFL is doing, not be pig-headed and expect it to happen the other way around because it's it's just not true. But I, I think that's excellent in terms of agnostic. It's okay to be a homer. It's okay to have your favorites, but put your, um, your Edward de Bono objectivity hats on when you're looking at players, as far as I'm concerned. Aaron, I'm sure you're going to be on the show a lot over the off-season, so I'm not going to ask for your advice, but I will ask you. <laughs> well, I'll have some more time to think on it. Good. I, well, I told you, you're going, to be, you're going to be on more. You don't get a you don't get a bit in this bit. Okay. Um, you're not technically a guest. So I will, I will ask you this, though. Who is going to be under center come week one for the Steelers next year? Who do I want or who do I think is under center? Because those are two different answers. Oh, both. Who do I think I'm, I'm going to put this in a Vegas style perspective? I think I'm, I'm going to make a prediction and I'm going to say that this prediction taps in at plus, geez, I don't know, four to one odds. 
because I think that there's a very wide spectrum of possibilities. I'm going to say that the the guy that I think takes the first snap under center is going to be Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm sorry. From what we're hearing with the second round or third round and a player price tag, I think that when you look at a, at a at a franchise like the Steelers, I don't think there's any chance in the world that we throw a package at Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or a top name like that. They're not going to pay that price. Mm-hmm. But when you hear second round, third round in a player, I think it's possible. My personal bias towards it, I – I feel like they wouldn't have kept Dwayne Haskins on the roster and continued to um, plant seeds with Mason Rudolph if they didn't plan to pursue them in some capacity. But everything that we're hearing, whether it's drafting a quarterback, trading for a quarterback, they're going to be interested in this guy, that guy, this guy, that guy. It also it, it doesn't quite add up to me. Um, who would I personal, personally hope to see? I don't even know if I know that answer. I'm going to say Matt Corral right now. I think that being in the AFC North with Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, Joe Burrow, having a quarterback that can sling it and run with the ball, um, the, especially his performance in the bowl game, the way that that team rallied around him, I feel like he's a very tough player. He, he, I, I feel like that's a key part of his game. I think he fits the modern NFL mold. Wouldn't be anything like the Steelers have really had before. Um, I'd be interested. I'd be interested to see it. That would be a very interesting fit. I agree. He's not He's not what I would think of as a Steelers quarterback, but, I mean, it's like Brady on the Patriots. We just haven't seen – I mean, my lifetime is almost all Big Ben, or my lifetime of paying a lot of attention to football at least. There's smoke with Kenny Pickett and, and – uh, Hometown hero. And uh, the Liberty guy. Um, Leak, yeah. Well, <sighs> I, I don't know. I feel like Kenny Pickett would be the boring cliche. He's from Pitt. Yeah, it would be. It's It's interesting with, with though, you just mentioned, you've got explosive innovation out of Baltimore. You've got, you've got the Bengals, which is just explosion out your ears. You got the Browns, which are a little bit like, I don't know, not super fun. The Steelers can either go like conservative and stick and, and then it's like a divided conference and like or a division where you got like the, the AFC North classics, Brown Steelers, and you got innovation on the other side. Or if they go interesting, then all of a sudden the Browns are the dinosaurs. And I think that would make the AFC North really fun. I agree. But I'll, I'll also point this out because I like picking on the Browns. I don't think the Browns intent in picking ba- Baker Mayfield was to be on the dinosaur side. I think they thought they had an athletic. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair to say. Yeah. Just didn't materialize that way, but I'm, I'm I'm hoping the franchise sees that the direction of the NFL is a little bit more mobility, um, X factor type driven approach, which I think Matt Corral would be exciting. So, cool. I, I wouldn't. I I'm gonna put this out there. I wouldn't. I'd be in the vast minority. I wouldn't be mad if Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins took the first snap. Wouldn't be mad. I think the Steelers would be mad if uh, Rudolph did. And I think Miles Garrett would probably be mad as well. I, I think it'll be Garoppolo. Um, I think there is a um, a universe somewhere where maybe they chase like a Matt Ryan and they go, we're going to try and get an older guy for a couple of years, see if there's anything left in, in that tank. And then we get a reverse Brett Favre situation with Jordan Love going to uh, the Falcons and lighting it up there. Um, but that That's is a much narrative. more fairytale. That's a fun narrative. The reverse red yeah. I like that. Exactly. This is like my um, segment. 
you should ask me every time I'm on who I think the Steelers week one starting quarterback will be. And we'll see how many quarterbacks. I can get. That's actually a fun, that might be a fun bit for the whole offseason. I like it. I like it. This is coming back. Who does Aaron think is going to be on the Steelers next year? Well, Carson Wentz. I haven't been able to think about that one, but it makes sense too. Save it for next episode or save it for next time you're on. Don't waste all your good ideas in in week one. It's coming up on 3 a.m. for me. Uh, I'm not lonely, Rob Thomas, but it is time for me to get out of here. So, Alfred, tell the good people where they can find you. And not only that, well, we've heard why they should find you. Um, at Alfred JF on Twitter. Uh, I'm always in those streets, so feel free to reach out. Uh, my DMs, I think they should be wide open. Um, any questions about C2C? Obviously, our website, Campus2Canton, that's a number two.com, is our website. We've got um, our, our initial offering for membership is still $2.99 a month or $29.99 a year. You get all of our rankings. Aaron was just in the C2C draft. We've got over 400 college players ranked. We've got over 300 NFL players ranked. Um, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. We've got all sorts of data and tools uh, done by our awesome uh, tech guy, Jarek Backus is an amazing, I mean, just tools you can't get anywhere else. We could compare, actually, one of our guys just put out the other day on Twitter, uh, a graph of, of passing EPA in college, and you can graph Lamar Jackson, uh, Matt Corral, Malik Willis, Jordan Love, and who else did he do? I don't know, somebody else. There's like four quarterbacks, and you can see how, they, how their college careers overlapped on each other and make a decision in your dynasty mind. Uh, so honestly, I think whether you're a dynasty, Debbie, college fantasy, or C2C, any of those things, our stuff can help you. We'd love to have you come be a member at campus2canton.com. Amazing. And um, if you liked hearing about Campus to Canton, we have, I know Felix is coming up and someone else from Campus to Canton, uh, the back end of April, but um, continue to listen to the show. Don't just tune in for their episodes. Aaron, where can people find you when they want to see you antagonize people on Twitter uh, straight away rather than hearing about it on Bleacher Report? <laughs> so at Aaron Nyhart, um, real simple, um, is where you can find me out on Twitter.